Hello everybody, this is Wendy from Evolve.ag and I'm so excited to be here with Grave Wanger, who is the founder of Oberland AgriScience. They are breeding black soldier flies for a variety of different purposes and I'm super fascinated by this company because they are transforming food scraps into an insect feed, which is used to rear black soldier fly larvae on an industrial scale. The larvae are a nutrient-rich, high-quality protein ingredient for agriculture and aquaculture feeds. Welcome to the show, Greg. You all are just doing amazing things. Thank you for the invite and really happy to be here. Could you tell us a little bit about your background and how on earth you got interested in the topic of soldier flies? Well, growing up as a kid, a uh, fly farmer was definitely not on my list of aspirational goals. <laughs> Actually, from a very young age, I knew I wanted to be a scientist. So my career left me through to uh, university where I got a PhD in microbiology, but I was in a geology department. So my PhD is actually in geology, but I know very little about rocks. I spent my time working on bacteria living deep underground. And from there, I, I moved to California where I did my postdoc at the J. Craig Venter Institute. There I was working on a technology called a microbial fuel cell. And this is a way to use bacteria as the catalyst in a fuel cell and where we were basically taking organic waste, in this case it was sewage or, or wastewater, extracting the energy from that and purifying the water while at the same time producing electricity. That was a pretty exciting and interesting, it got me involved in the actual scaling up of a scientific idea taking something off the lab bench and moving it into more of an applied field. And that was really exciting to me and something that I knew that in the back of my mind I wanted to get back into. And as we'll talk about in a second, that's where I ended up. From there, I moved up to the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California, where I worked for two years with a project called Sherlock, which is actually going to be on the next Mars rover, which is slated to launch later this month. And so that was a really exciting, I mean, every nerd wants to go work at NASA. So to have the ability to be up there was a dream come true. But then my wife got a job up here in Halifax as a professor at Dalhousie University. And we decided that we would follow her career and come up here. For me, coming back to Canada, I'm originally from Toronto, and we moved back to Canada and I needed something to do. So talking with a mentor of mine who lived in California he had started a small research scale soldier fly farm in Los Angeles. And I got really excited about this idea of taking a waste product and, and finding a good use for it. I mean, you, you don't have to be, now this is in air quotes here, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see that we're in kind of a pickle when it comes to the environment and, and the state of health of our planet. And so the ability to take something that is a waste product and turn it into a useful either feedstock or biomaterials seemed like a real interesting avenue for me to pursue. So when my wife and I came up here to Halifax, I just said, why don't start one of these soldier fly farms here? And three years later, we're still chugging away. Wow, that's really cool. From jet propulsion to soldier flies. Yes. What a trajectory. Yeah, my former supervisor at NASA laughs every time we talk now because, yeah, it's not the usual stepping stone that people take. Can you tell me about 
what y'all are doing, what your mission is, and how you're contributing to environmental issues and food-based resilience. Yeah, for sure. So the food waste issue is a big problem. I mean, there's statistics and more statistics and more statistics about what we're doing with the calories that we're producing right now. And, And the numbers range, but typically, at least in Western society, we're throwing away between 40 and 60% of our calories that we're making. So this is from farm to table or from processor all the way through to our plates, we're losing about 40 to 60% of those calories as waste. And this is, you know, I'm going to use the word waste and and other people use the word waste, but this is a resource. This is something that I think back to the farmers working hard in the field and what disrespect we're showing them and others that we just throw this stuff away because, you know, the, maybe the carrot didn't look good enough for us, or just our processing techniques are such that we produce a, a lot of waste. And so that's where the soldier fly comes in as a, as a real amazing engine for taking this organic waste and converting it into a, a, a really high quality protein source that can then get fed into other areas. So agriculture, such as poultry and, and other livestock feeds, aquaculture feeds, so salmon and other tilapia, rainbow trout. And then just to our pets, there are several soldier fly based dog and cat foods now on the market. So this is something that's really growing and is a, it's an exciting field to be in. That's amazing. Can you walk us through the steps in the soldier fly life cycle and what you do with the soldier flies at each step? Sure. The soldier fly is an amazing species. The reason we chose it is that it is, it's very resilient. It grows incredibly fast. We're currently seeing rates of growth in 10 to 12 days of about 5,000 to 6,000 times their size. So this is an incredibly fast growing species, very high in protein and good proteins that really mesh well and blend well into feedstock for agriculture and aquaculture. So the, the soldier fly life cycle takes about 30 days to complete. An egg will hatch and it will grow rapidly over the next 10 to 12 days, about five to 8,000 times its size. And this is the larvae. Once the larvae are at their full size, we take those larvae and then they get turned into protein powder. We let a small portion of those larvae complete their full life cycle. So typically in a soldier fly, what would happen after about 15 to 20 days is they start what's known as the prepupal form, and they'll change color. They'll go from sort of a blondish color to more of a dark brown or black. And then from that, they turn into a pupa, which it's very analogous to a cocoon in a butterfly. The pupa will sit there for a few more days, and within that pupa, the soldier fly is undergoing its metamorphosis, after which it will hatch out as an adult fly. The products that we get out of this are the cocoon shell, the pupa shell. We turn that into either packaging materials, or it's used in the biomedical industry as a polymer, a biopolymer. And finally, the the adult fly. So we then hatch those flies into these fly tents. The males and females will find each other, a little bit of you know music and some mood lighting, and we can get them to breed. The female will then lay her eggs, and we then start the cycle all over again. We take all the dead flies, and that becomes a product for us as well, and it, it becomes an additive to certain feeds. So really, we're a zero waste. So every product, every part of the life cycle of the soldier fly has a home 
And the only thing that's not actually part of the soldier fly, but comes from the soldier fly is the larvae as they're growing up and feeding. Of course, they poop. That poop for us, known as frass, is the insect version of poop, becomes a fertilizer. So really the entire life cycle from the larvae, which become the protein, the shells, which produce biomaterials for us, and the dead flies themselves, also producing a feedstock, and then finally the frass. Wow, that's incredible. So just to reiterate, you get food waste, Correct. and then you feed that to the soldier fly larva. When you say the larvae is turned into a protein, what kind of protein does that get turned into? Sure. Right now, we are currently selling into the pet food market, and we're selling the soldier fly as a live feeder. For fun, we got a lizard here at Overland named Obi, of course. And one of the, the ways that we sell the soldier fly in one of our markets is to the live feeder market. So hedgehogs and lizards and uh, mm -hmm. spiders and things like that. People who have these sort of niche pets love the soldier fly for many reasons as a live feeder. The majority, though, however, will get dried and either sold as a whole dried soldier fly for the, for instance, the backyard chicken market. In the wild, chickens will pick away at, at the ground, and one of their main sources of calories is actually insects. So this is a good way of giving that nutrition back to chickens. By far the largest quantity of soldier fly that we have will get dried and then ground into a powder. And that powder will then get incorporated into other agriculture and aquaculture feeds. So for salmon, they get pressed into a pellet, and for poultry, it'll be some sort of a pellet-like consistency. Got it. Wow, that's cool. You have so many different uses, and I love how you're experimenting and working towards becoming zero waste. Yeah, and even, even the poop. I mean, so, you know, that adage that everybody poops, I mean, the same goes on here with the soldier fly and the larvae. So they eat and they poop, and what they leave behind is a really rich fertilizer that we have been, well, I've been using in my own garden now since we started and it's never been healthier, but we've just started marketing that as well. And because it was one of those materials that was just piling up in our facility. And so we spent some time and some R&D effort and got the, the certificates of analysis and all the, the lab work done. And so now we're able to sell that as a product as well. So really from the soldier fly rearing side of things, this facility is operating at zero waste. I mean, we have some waste, but it's the it's office waste. And this is where we're now trying to focus on is how do we move, you know, to a paperless society. But the actual operations out back are essentially zero waste. That's wonderful. So can they eat any kind of food waste or is it specific things that they like to eat? So we've tried a whole myriad of different things that are typical of here in Nova Scotia. We have a lot of apples, and so we've run trials with apples and grapes and basically anything that would end up on our plate or comes off our plate are things that the soldier fly can eat. We have tested a few interesting feedstocks here in Nova Scotia that at the moment are a little challenging that we're finding they either need some more work or maybe they're just not suitable. It's things like grass clippings and leaf material that comes out that we rake up in the fall. That kind of stuff, the soldier fly doesn't seem to eat, but really anything else that we've fed it has been wonderful. We fed them blueberries and they all turned blue. We've fed them tomatoes and we are working with some local processing facilities that do for instance, 
fish processing and stuff like that. So they are able to take even meat products and turn that into protein as well. We typically try to stay low on the meats. So we we try to be vegetable heavy, but they can take meats and, and other proteins like that as well. Cool. So they like the good stuff. None of that grass clippings. They want the blueberries and the fruit and the, the yummy things. Well, it's huh? true. And, and you know, what's what's been really interesting, actually, is since we've been operating is I've gotten to interact with so many different groups. So from the downstream side, getting to work with aquaculture operations and see what needs they have from a fish pellet perspective. But I've also gotten to work with the upstream side, which is the composting facilities that we have here in Nova Scotia or the producers. And what's been really interesting is there are some amazing other companies here in Nova Scotia that are looking at ways of dealing with either food waste or food byproducts. And what's interesting is some of these companies, when we first met, we kind of came at each other as kind of competitors because we were both competing for the same waste stream. But when we actually sat down and talked to each other, what we found is that our needs were actually, they meshed really well together. So for instance, the soldier fly can take organics that are typically much lower grade than some of these other companies were looking for. They were looking for, you know, the crooked carrot or the slightly misshapen apple. And of course, the soldier fly can eat those, but it doesn't need to. We can take the stuff that is, you know, past its prime. And that really allows us to, as a sort of a group of companies, to really maximize what we are pulling out of this. And again, we call it waste, but it's really not out of this resource. That's cool. And so you've been collaborating with different companies around Nova Scotia to help solve food waste. Gosh, I love that. So much. Yeah, it's it's been amazing. I mean, Nova Scotia is, is, I mean, I'm from Toronto originally, which is a massively big city and I love my hometown, but, you know, moving out here to Nova Scotia, this is really an amazing place to be, to work and just to start a business. You know, it's big enough. Halifax is big enough that you can, you can make an impact, but it's small enough that you can get into meet people and talk to them and, you know, it's it's a very community-driven province. And so when you're talking to one person about food waste, they will say, well, do you know my cousin? He's a fish farmer. Would you like to talk to him? And, <laughs> you know, within a conversation, you've met the entire supply chain. And it's just it's just been incredible and, and really a, a pleasure. That's great. Do you have an estimate of how much food waste you've saved up until this point? So because we've been mostly R&D up until now, we go through between a ton and two tons a week of food waste. But the new facility will be in the tens of tons per day. Wow. So it'll be, a, a, you know, several, I don't know if I'm going to say several orders of magnitude. The, the nerds will get me on that. But at least an order of magnitude larger than this current facility. That's amazing. And what's the percentage of waste in Nova Scotia that you'll be able to take on? Well, it's hard to know. We just actually had a, yeah, it's hard to know what it would be, but it's a significant percentage of Nova Scotia's uh, organic waste. We, myself and some of these other companies that are that are starting up here in Nova Scotia, we are going to change, radically change how Nova Scotia deals with its organic waste. And that's really exciting. That's inspiring. Are there certain rules and regulations around the type of waste you're allowed to use or not use? 
Yeah, as far as I know, so Canada has, has very strict guidelines, and, and so they should, on what can go into our feed, particularly. So we will be categorized here as a feed mill, which allows us to produce an ingredient which would then go into an agriculture and aquaculture feed. And there's sort of a, a double-edged sword. From one side, having all these regulations is a bit of a pain that you have to jump through all these hoops. But on the other side is I'm also a consumer of, you know, the salmon that are grown in the farms here. And, and so I'm happy that we have these regulations. And so for us right now, yes, there are the regs that we have to jump through. As far as what we're allowed to take, so far in Canada, we are limited to what's known as pre-consumer waste. And so pre-consumer waste are organics that come out of a processing facility straight off a farm field, or yeah, typically it would be that stuff. So we can take, you know, if a grocery store removes some produce that either didn't sell or has started to go bad and it goes out the back door, that we can take. But as soon as it goes out the front door from a customer, then we are no longer allowed to take it. And this is just one of those things that we have to live with right now. But I'm pretty sure that myself and a few of the other soldier fly farms here in Canada, you know, we're continuing to push the envelope. And we want to show that maybe taking some of these other post-consumer products, you know, don't increase the danger or the health of the product. And, and maybe we can branch out further and, and start taking new waste streams in the future. But for now, we're limited to pre-consumer. Got it. That makes sense. So I'm curious, what is the perception of your company? I know when I initially heard about it, I was like, oh, fly larva. But when I learned what you were doing, of course, I was absolutely fascinated. Yeah, it's funny when people walk in the front door, they have a perception of what they're going to see. And often, sometimes there's the, you know, there's the ick factor. If you don't like insects, then being in a room with 100,000 active flies buzzing around in, in their tents can be a bit unnerving for some people. And same thing with seeing a bin full of the larvae chewing their way through the, the feed. For some, it takes some getting used to. But what's amazing is no matter who we've toured through, the moment they leave, everyone is inspired and everyone is excited and everyone, they've got a smile on their face and they're really happy. And and that's been, it's been fun. I, I enjoy giving the tours precisely for that reason. It's, it's fun to show people what we're doing and to break down some of these misconceptions. And, you know, we've had people at the beginning who've said, I'm terrified of insects. But by the end, they ask, like, can I stick my hand in, in that writhing ball of, of larvae because it looks so cool? And they're like, absolutely, go right ahead, you know. And so it's it's been fun to see that. Since we started Overland here three years ago, one of the interesting shifts I've noticed is that a few years ago, the, the soldier fly larvae protein was being included in, for instance, dog and cat foods and places like that. And it was only listed on the back in the ingredients list as insect protein. But a real change has happened in the last year or two years where the fact that dog food, for instance, has soldier fly in it is actually now on the front of the package and it's being displayed and used as a differentiator that this product contains, you know, up to, let's say 40% soldier fly protein. So that to me is a real change in our perceptions of insects moving into our more mainstream product lines. Do you think you will ever be selling soldier fly larvae as a protein source for human consumption? 
I, I don't see there's any reason why we couldn't. You know, the standards that we are held to for the feed mill status is very close or in, and almost in some cases is better than direct to human consumption. So from a regulatory perspective, like there are insects approved for direct to human consumption here in Canada. For instance, cricket powder is now you can now buy at, uh, at the grocery store and we see cricket bars and things like that that are on the market. So the crickets were really the first to market in the Western world. Now, around the world, people have been eating insects of different ilks and different, I mean, for all, for millennia. I've eaten all sorts of different weird wiggly things. From that sense, there's no reason not to. Now, from personal, my wife and I made some brownies one night out of some of our soldier fly protein, and our recipe needs a little bit of work. But (laughs) really, there's no reason that it, it can't be. It just this particular batch, yeah, was was not the best tasting thing that I'd had. But there there are definitely ways to make it palatable, and it would be interesting to get food scientists to see what they can do, just like that has been done in the cricket industry. I mean, that's the number one question I get asked: is Can I eat it? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So. In so many other cultures, people eat insects; it's not a big deal. But definitely in a lot of Western societies, people are quite hesitant. So it'll be interesting to see. If that trend evolves, especially with some of the other food issues we're having these days, can you share some of the experimental things you all are working on with soldier flies? Sure. So some of the experiments that we're running are, can we use the soldier fly as a service or are there certain waste streams that we could bring in that we can either detoxify or make more suitable for either landfilling or, or other applications? And that's one area of research. It's the different waste streams. The, the second is, can we shift the diet of the soldier fly to maximize certain nutrients? So the soldier fly will naturally accumulate calcium, which is one of the reasons that they're so good for poultry and particularly in the reptile. Reptiles have a high requirement for calcium. And, and so because the soldier fly accumulates, it, it's a good feedstock. But can we get more calcium in there to make it better for the, the soldier fly? Can we change the fat profile? Can we make an omega-3 rich soldier fly? So that's we're doing some of that stuff on the soldier fly side. We're constantly looking at new ways to stabilize food wastes and different organic wastes as they come in. That's some R&D that we're doing on the upstream side. And then really it's how do you make the adult flies happy so that they mate and they produce enough eggs, that they produce more eggs, that they lay eggs where you want them to lay eggs and not where you don't want them to lay eggs. This is sort of a lot of the optimization that we've been working on. And, it, you know, it's it's been fun to be able to tinker and to bring in some electronics work that, that we've developed here in-house, some machine learning. We've gone very high tech, and this may come from the NASA background, but we've gone sort of very high tech in a lot of our aspects. And, and so it's fun to have a facility where on the one end, where it's very low tech. I mean, we're growing a bunch of insects in feed. But on the other end, it's very high tech and we're collecting data from hundreds of sensors and that data feeds back into how we're operating the whole facility. That's super cool. I feel like that's the way of the future. Everyone is using the internet and data in different creative ways to grow food and you know make different changes to their food systems. You mentioned a new facility. What are your plans for scaling up? The new facility is at least conceptually starting to take shape. And then we've got some drawings now of the new building and and we're talking to process engineers and things like that. It'll be a much larger facility. Right now we're sitting in about 8,000 square feet, but the actual farm where we're growing now is only about two and a half thousand square feet. It's exciting. It's fun to see and it's fun to see drawings. It, it, It makes it sort of real. That's cool. What have been some of the challenges you faced 
we've had challenges in just so for instance understanding what the regulation i mean the regulations for becoming a feed mill in canada are onerous and as i said before they should be but insects as an ingredient is so new that a lot of the government agencies don't yet know even how to classify us. Luckily, there is another uh, soldier fly farm here in Canada that they're a couple of years ahead of us. And they've petitioned the government and they were the first to receive uh, Canadian Food Inspection Agency approval. Now, at least the government has heard about insects as a feedstock because you know, prior to this, insects were something that most people tried to keep out of their feedstocks. There's a lot of rules about how many insect parts you can have in your flour or your sugar or whatever. But what if your product is an insect? You know, it's 100% insect parts. And so that has taken some time to navigate. That makes sense. Do you collaborate with any of those other companies that are working in black soldier flies in Canada? Not really. And this is maybe a disappointment and maybe I'm just too new in this. There was supposed to be a large conference in Quebec City called Insects to Feed the World. And unfortunately, given the current global status, that was pushed off till next year. So it would have been interesting to see really how other insect farms and people from insect farms collaborate with each other. It seems like this race to get to the, you know, that we want our facility to be the best facility and, and ours, that we will be the dominant facility. And, and that's not why I got into this. I know that Overland will play a part and there's space for many of us. And, and hopefully we can all gravitate around and maybe not give away all our secrets. I mean, there are certain things that we do here that we think we do better than others and that we'd like to keep in-house. But there's other things where I think collaboration would be a real benefit. You know, for instance, on the regulation side, if a petition goes to the Canadian government to say, maybe we should consider post-consumer waste as now something that we can approve, that would be much stronger if it came from multiple sources. At the same time, too, there are things that we all do that we would benefit from a collaboration. Now, where we have had great collaborations is with the either upstream side, so on the waste hauling side. We've had great collaborations with local companies, the local waste haulers here in Nova Scotia. And we've had amazing collaborations on the downstream side. So we're working very closely with some aquaculture operations. And that's been wonderful to have all of us sit at the table together from the waste hauler all the way through us, all the way through to the final consumer to all sit at a table and talk about, you know, what is required from the fish farm and what is provided by the waste supplier. And then we've had great collaborations with the universities here. So we currently have one, two, three... Four active research projects going with two different universities and one municipality here. And so that's been wonderful. Oh, that's really exciting. Yeah. Where do you see this industry going? Hopefully, I mean, it's going to continue to grow. If you look at the investments that have been put into soldier fly farms and, and other insect farms globally, it's only increasing. The trend is going up. And, and this is being driven by really the demand side. With more and more people on the planet demanding higher quality food and feeds and more people moving to being able to afford, for instance, salmon or aquaculture products and or livestock-based products, of course, that puts a huge pressure on the feedstock below that. And insects, they, they fit a, a really nice niche. The real investments are being driven by demand that aquaculture operations are looking for a stable, reliable source of protein feed. I do think that what this does is as more insect farms come online, it changes our perception of the waste side of things. 
You know, it's just so easy to throw something in a bin and then just forget about what actually happens to that. And then if you ask someone, where does it go? They're like, I think it goes to a composting facility somewhere. I don't know where it is. I don't know what is used with, like, what do they do with that compost? I think what, what this will do, and, and by having companies such as myself, who are trying to be transparent and open about certain things about what we're doing is we want people to know, you know, that we're taking in waste and we're making a really high quality product. It's part of bringing up the stuff that we've in the past have swept under the rug into the forefront. So hopefully as we move forward and as this industry grows, people will see waste in a different light and that you just can't sweep stuff under the rug. It's got to go somewhere. And hopefully that helps people realize that they should be reducing their waste too, or, you know, maybe Absolutely. not buying as much food or, cool. you know, it's, it's funny. I, when I used to read articles about, you know, you know, city X is trying to reduce their food waste by Y. And I was thinking, uh Oh, does that mean that, that our soldier fly farm, you know, we're going to struggle to find, um, find a, a feedstock. But the reality is that right now we are throwing away so much. I hope that we all get better and stop throwing away as much. There will always be a carrot that has gone too far that no one, you know, at some point you just can't eat it. And that's where the soldier fly really, that's where its powerhouse is, is in taking that stuff that really we tried our best. You know, that's what I would love to see is that we tried our best and there's always going to be some waste and we just want a better way to deal with it. That's awesome. So one last question for you. Were you affected at all by COVID-19 besides the conference getting canceled? Yes and no. I mean, we did see actually an uptick in our online orders. I mean, people were sitting at home and like everything else, people moved to the internet to buy things. And so we saw actually an increase in sales, which was interesting and nice. From an actual operations perspective here, I mean, we're a pretty small staff here and and with 8,000 square feet for us to to zip around we were well able to keep the the distancing requirements in place you know we cleaned a little bit more and tidied surfaces and you know things like that but for the most part not really what it did show is that with a system like this you can produce a, a vast amount of protein in a small amount of space with a relatively small staff and Food waste is always going to continue. And in fact, we got calls when COVID first struck. We got a lot of phone calls from grocery stores and restaurants and other places that said, oh my God, we have a freezer or a fridge full of stuff that we have to get rid of. Can you take it? And unfortunately, at, at this scale, we, we're, we're sort of at capacity now. We couldn't, but hopefully in our new facility, this is one of those things that we'd love to be able to offer. Well, it's good to hear that you all were able to continue basically as you'd been doing. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Greg. This was fascinating. I learned so much and I can't wait to see what happens with Oberland in the future. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure.